you're listening to The Dirty Boots Show. Well, hello, everyone. This is Chris Nixon with The Signer, one of the co-hosts of The Dirty Boots Show, which is what we've named the podcast, the show, under something we've done. And I want to introduce both Terry and Mike to the show today. You want to take a quick second, maybe introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Terry Olson. I'm a co-owner and vice president in OE Construction. Uh, I'm Mike Gecker. I'm the team manager for OE Construction. We could probably dig into that a little bit. (laughs) 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 We were a little bit, you know, preparing for the show. Um, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about OE. So people may have not, like if they haven't seen you guys or just give us a little background on OE and what, what you guys do. Sure. So we're located in Golden, Colorado. We've been in business now about 17 years. Um, started the company with my son at the time, really young. Um, and came, I semi-retired and was all set, you know, had everything going. And then suddenly he needed help. And so that I got sucked into construction and we've been together ever since. So we're a civil contractor. We focus on earth moving and underground utilities. Our primary type of work would be commercial, right? Private. We do some infrastructure. Uh, we also build in various states outside of Colorado environmental landfills. We've been known to do surface mining for things like clay. Uh, but our mainstay would be commercial structures and projects, anywhere from a few acres to maybe 60 acres would be an mm-hmm. average job site. About six months ago, I actually got to come out to one of your job sites and meet some of your people. And we shot a little bit of video and stuff. So. Yep, that was on a fairly good-sized site. And the focus was safety, obviously, particularly uh, trench safety, right. which is a great deal. Uh, just over three years. Okay. So. And so maybe just taking a little bit to not everything that you do, but maybe your core, kind of core, which you could like, it's obviously IT tech focused, reporting and all the system, I'm sure. A thousand other things. Maybe dig in a little bit. Well, I'm yeah. just mainly my responsibility is the data we collect. Mm-hmm. One, to give them the ability to collect the data. Mm-hmm. And then two, that we hold on to the data and make it accessible. So it's not only data that we have from a signer, but from the estimators mm-hmm. to Terry for accounting, all those components, all that data gets collected. Just need to make sure that we have a, we have it somewhere else that we can how unique do you think his position? Do you see that in other like company peer companies or things like his role, his position or? Great question. Um, so it is a little bit unique. Um, many companies, you know, our sites, we would be considered a, a mid-sized civil contractor in, in this region of the country. Many of them don't really emphasize, quote, what we might call an IT manager, right? Um, usually you've got somebody that has some good database or analytical skills, right? That kind of works in that capacity. Um, but one of the reasons we brought Mike in, um, he and I have worked together for years and years on prior the back end prior okay. to him joining. And so we kind of gave him a catch-all title, IT manager. But, but and he's also out there uh, doing operational oversight, in some case management, uh, you know, reaching into other areas. And so if we had to categorize this position, it's predominantly around data and capturing it, software, upgrades, uh, you know, individual users, all the stuff that goes on in the field he's responsible mm-hmm. for, from devices to software implementation. So it's a catch-all, but he does so many different things. Um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, any day it could be a little different focus depending on the situation. Well, and sometimes IT manager gets pigeonholed into like just the technical. Like, just the uh, tech, yeah. right. And and for him, I think it's been, um, you know, because he comes from a more IT 
perspective and situation in other companies and experience that. So we've really tested him on how flexible can you be? Right. So it's, it's been a journey. Yeah. How's that going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for the nice part, you know, that's the other thing is, is, you know, I think part of the sell for it is, you know, we do a lot, a lot more with less mm-hmm. effort. He's in the field. We spend less time collecting the data for us. The easier we streamline it, and we easier we have to do it. So we've cut out people in the office that, you know, at this point, we've made do with less. So let's dig into the data and importance of it. We'll get to automation as well, which I think you're alluding to a little bit in uh, your comment there. But so the importance of data, like what does that mean for OE? What does that mean for you, Terry? And then we can we can ask my sure. same question. You know, I came from the tech side of the business. Um, many, well, I don't want to give my age away, but many decades <laughs> in uh, technical consulting, uh-huh. both software, hardware, back office, networking, you name it. And so that, that was kind of what I was raised to do, right? And one of my strengths was being able to, you know, organize information, come up with a plan, enact the plan, you know, bring the teams together. That's kind of where I spent a lot of time. And I think data is a big part of that for us. When I came in to help my son, that's where he had the biggest challenge. They could go out and produce the work all day long, right? And God, they actually had some great projects going, right? But the problem was, or the issue on the back end was, just because we produced something really well doesn't mean we've tracked it. Hit, you know, things like, how are you billing for the project? How are you capturing the dollars for the project? What, do you know if you made any money on the project? Those are important pieces that people forget about or it's easy to ignore early on. And so that's where we've spent a lot of time in making sure from day one, did we have something reproducible, right, that we could go in and pull out specific reports or pieces of information that helped us manage not only the field, but also the office side of it. And so that's been a big focus for us. And then as the industry has um, evolved, right, over the last 17 years in particular, adding more types of software or processes has been instrumental in helping us streamline. That she sees everything, right? She touches everything. Right. So they've implemented a designer before I, just before I got there. Or right about the same time. Uh-huh. But based off of that, the data that OE collected in the signer was not unneeded. It was to a point for a reason. This is the reason we're collecting it. It may be for the estimators. It might be for the accounting system. It might be for the supervisor. But every piece of data had a reason. And we didn't collect data that was erroneous. Okay. Um, We didn't care. So we didn't collect. Like what data from the field are you collecting? Oh, we collect um, their time. Uh, and through a custom form, eventually we will get to your time, time tracking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we we're actually talking about, we're we're talking talking about, about the, the product team. We're, we're yeah. get there. <laughs> we, um, and that's part of the thing is with Terry. Terry put restrictions around what she wanted and the ability to collect the data means if I was an equipment operator, what piece of equipment? I couldn't continue until I told you what piece of equipment. And did I complete the operations, equipment, trenching, safety information, incidences, um, obviously time, daily project logs, daily pre-task planning. The nice thing over the paper is we have the ability to capture phonemes. 
and the guys take photos and they're great for project logs and safety or incidents and hits type things. And so we're collecting a lot of stuff, but we're not collecting an extra lot because we've trimmed that down. So if someone came in and looked at me, wow, you guys collect a lot of data. Well, we use all of it. And we've shown that to the field guys. Because if you implement it to the field, when the field guy understands that you use that information, then they're not so bad about filling up a right. board. But so if I was filling out a form to say, hey, Chris, you know, uh, you know uh, what's your favorite color? And I got to always say that, but no one uses it. Why are you even asking me that question? And that's a big part of implementation. And once people, no matter what their role is, once they understand how the data is going to be used, and, you know, it's kind of like that adage, what's in it for me? So when we implemented in our field over three years ago, the guys, the first question was, what's in it for me? So what was in it for them is we had to have really great answers and processes set up that we're going to give you information there. We're going to help you be better. You're going to help us be better. So it was a collaborative effort. But Mike is exactly right. Do not collect it if you're not going to use it. Because right now, I mean, in 2022, we ran some numbers for you. Mm -hmm. We have processed, if you will, almost 23,000 forms or pieces of major pieces of information, which was huge, 23,000. And we use virtually every piece of that in all facets of the business. So again, it's, it's not burdening people with processes or forms or data that they don't care about it. So the principle should be what's in it for me. And if you can answer that question, then you're going down the right path. Plus, we've also, we've modified forms. So the timesheet, we've evolved. So after about a year, year and a half, we evolved, removed two questions. So in 2022, we did almost 13,000 timesheets. So... If you say 10 seconds by those two persons with, you know, taking those two that's questions, okay. yeah. it adds up really quick. Right. And the guys are happier because they do it. Now, to them, they think it takes forever. Okay. No one, our timesheet doesn't take more than 30 seconds, a minute at the most. Right. Okay. And, and the price are, the back end of it. And they're pulling their teeth. Oh, this is forever. <laughs> so we've gone back and changed that. We've changed trench safety. Uh-huh. There was, uh, when it was originally developed, that formed back and said, well, what about this condition? And this is a rare one, but we'd like to be able to do this. Or we have locates, but we have a yes, no. And we want an NA because we're not digging. We're just out to, to review it. So we've gone back and modified the forms to collect additional data or make it easier for the guys in the field. And then Terry's even given them awards. Terry? Putting forward a cash award, real cash. I think it was their one. That, yeah. Maybe that time. Yeah. For doing... <laughs> For putting in those suggestions that it's going to have an effect for the rest of the fields. See, so, and that's the key, too, on the collaboration side, that they were getting recognized for their input. That it wasn't just a brick wall and we, we just do it this way and do your thing and don't talk to it. It was very much a two-way conversation. I think that's a really big deal. The other thing that we've done awards on um, have been things like, how well do you fill out a daily project log? Right. And, and one of the things that you'll find in construction is people are competitive. So we've got a star project log person that does amazing project logs. Everyone wants that now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun to, to see the evolution. I mean, um, you know, our folks, the majority have been here since, you know, way beyond when we implemented the assigner tools and the forms. 
they're excited now. I have to say, if we go out and we're like, did you do this? Or what do you think about that? That's the other part, too, is trying to pull people and get their input. Don't forget that. That's really cheap. So when we talk about, because so you guys, obviously 23,000, 13,000 timesheets, a lot of data. And a good, I mean, it could have been a lot more to your point. Right. <clears throat> Share a couple of those. Sure. So on just a general reporting, let's start there. Okay. And um, we've developed and, and Mike has put it, implemented the ability to do automated reporting from the data, right? So he's got them set up. For example, we're collecting data from the equipment operators, right? It's a very simple form, boom, 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 mm -hmm. right? That data goes into a weekly report that alerts the maintenance staff back at the shop or the office, here are all the things that need service. You know, that's pretty amazing. So then they right? prioritize their days. Exactly. So every morning they're meeting with their team. Now, they may have gotten an emergency crisis call. That, that's one scenario. But in general, they're looking at that report that they're getting and they're prioritizing, right? And, and it also tells them, where is the equipment? Wouldn't that be great? Because you got 100 <laughs> pieces of equipment. But for, you know, it, there's all kinds of challenges. Any that given come time. With that. Exactly. Be, there's something got moved. Right. So. That was really important. We have weekly reports that come out and tell us, uh, gosh, who filled out certain forms that might be relevant that maybe a project manager needs to know about. So the sky's the limit. And, and the tools to do that are embedded and are a part of the assigner app. And so we've created all these custom automated reports. But where it really shines, in my opinion, because um, I'm more on the Right, as uh, the accounting side, of course, and, and having that timesheet data, which, by the way, we've automated to go to our payroll on our job costing system. Flick. I mean, we can bring that field data in. It's in an automatic report, and we have it in the right file format, plug it into our accounting system, and literally from start to finish, about 30 minutes by the time we're reviewing the data and plug it in. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, but no double entry. Yeah, but what were you doing before? So before, yeah. I'm sad to say, like a lot of folks in our industry, so we had paper way back when we had paper timesheets, sure. right? And on the timesheet, it had all the particulars of hours work. It, it said what piece of equipment, right? And where were you with the job information and what was the work description? And as you can imagine, all these people turning in paper forms, um, handwriting, wasn't the, the best. And so it became an interpretation game every week. And so then you had to figure out how to get all the paper forms from multiple crews back to the office in a timely manner, right? And then remember, people forget there were many reasons that we wouldn't have sure. the data. So you get those on Monday. So then you'd have someone sitting there compiling them all, organizing them, then doing the data entry into the payroll and job costing. And that could take, with the volume we typically do, that might take a day. Right. Right. Then you got to print out the reports. Then you got to proof it. Then you got to say, okay, is this signed off? Here we go. And then you'd move on to the actual payroll processing. So what a signer did for us is we eliminated, that was our first initiative. We're going to eliminate that process. So it took a while. We had to test the theory, bring the data in. We had that. We were still doing some data entry initially. Then what Mike did was create an automated approach that ran in conjunction so we could test the accuracy, we were looking mm -hmm. for specific areas that we needed to beef up, so on. Sure. So then we finally one day woke up and said, we're going live. 
right? Yeah. We'd done it, you know, we, we were confident, and by golly, we went live, and first time out, it ran, no errors, no problems. We had payroll done in minutes, right, versus Days. this incredible process. And, you know, we already had payroll automated to shoot out uh, direct deposit and all yeah, of that. On that so side this, of the fence. Yeah, on that piece. But this made so much sense. It was like a miracle, right? So, and I get excited when data actually works. So we've been refining that. And, and as Mike pointed out, we can customize it. We, you know, we get input from the field and they go, we really want to see this. You know, we can go in and change that and like that, mm-hmm. right? Now, suddenly we've got a little different compilation or the way that we're calling right. it. So that's one area that was huge for us. Secondly, uh, on projects, one of the areas that people forget about is what happens when uh, someone on the project, because remember, uh, for a lot of us, we aren't the, the top tier general contractor. Yeah, in some instances, we are if we're working direct for an owner mm-hmm. or say infrastructure, but in many cases, we're one of the 40 or 50 subcontractors on a, a project, right? So here comes a, you know, something comes down that, uh, oh, there was a delay or we didn't catch a schedule change or there's a big challenge. Something went on and everyone's trying to figure out how did that happen, right? And this data's hitting from all these different places. You've got updated schedules. You've got on-site job meetings, right? Where you're actually part of a group with a bunch of people coming up with, a, say, a new schedule. But then at the same time, you're working in one area and something changed. Maybe the survey wasn't right, so you had to move over here. How's that being captured? Because what will happen six, ten, a year, year and a half down the road, how do you figure out who was doing what when? That's the challenge. So for us, we, were, we had one of those projects where there were so many moving parts, mm-hmm. very challenging, lots of people working in tight areas, lots of delays for a variety of reasons. It could have been scheduling, uh, you know, somebody didn't survey something right, uh, someone else was in the way. I mean, there were a variety of things, safety issues, sure. and on and on and on. So we had a situation recently where we had to go capture 10 months, look at 10 months of captured data, and figure out what happened. But it wasn't as easy as, well, when did we do the parking lot? No, no, no. These were <laughs> segmented into all these different areas. So you had to have drill down data that said we were in this area on this day for this amount of time. We were doing X. With these pictures and this. Pictures, all of it, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, we're looking at it. And so then we said, well, are we going to have somebody here on staff go read all the daily project logs that we assembled from the field? It's all cool and automated. Or are we going to think outside the box? And are we going to figure out how we can get that data out like that? What's the best way to do that? So we turned to this guy and said, we know you can get it. What are you going to do? You, you have need- five minutes. To yeah, yeah, exactly. How, how, how did you react to that? What <laughs> was your initial response? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it was so fair. All I had to do was find the data that was effectively the, the, the foreman's notes for the, the, day, the work day and that project. Who was the person that filled out the report? What day did they work? And here's his notes. Then they went in and they did a search and they said, okay, when, when they're in section three, subsection one, let's go find all the data. Then they find all those and they can go back and go, anytime someone said the word survey, let's go find all the surveys and let's find out. So they went through with keywords. Then it shrunk that number down to 
You said have 10 months, you had about eight to 12 really forts that were okay. critical, and then another maybe 15, 20 that turned out to be somewhat needed, but it would have been days someone just reading through it and go, well, is this important? And because once I get done reading through it and you, oh, you wanted to talk about survey, hold on. Let me go back to the first one. Because then you're reading it over and over. And over. This right. gave them the flexibility that they could go, well, let's try these words. Okay, are we getting back what we needed? So it gave them the flexibility. Didn't pull all the data. Just pull the data I need. Let them go figure out which ones they did. Then we went in and we... So literally, and it, so, you know, in typical fashion, I'm like, okay, go. You have 10 minutes. I want to know what's, what's, it's yeah. like right. so we got to look at this data enough to understand, did we have what we needed? Right. Because remember, that's the key that's here. That's the first question. Right. Do we have enough detail that we can actually research this and support whatever the sequence of events were and, you know, who is responsible for what? So I'm happy to say that using that kind of, what I call extraction, if you will, of data. I mean, because the other option was what? We were going to go search PDF files because we happened to save those daily reports and PDFs. Well, we could do that. Do you know how long that would take to sit there and mm -hmm. search PDF files? Mm -hmm. So no, no, no. We just wanted to use a tool that was already in the system, the insight reporting, which is incredibly powerful. Because remember, you can pull data from multiple data sets. I mean, it, it could be a whole bunch of different forms, mm -hmm. not one specific. But in this case, it got it out, searchable format. We could pinpoint the range of days and where we think the issues occurred. And then from there, we could go pull specific reports, right? Mm -hmm. And then we could go on the search for what about emails? What about other reports? What about the pictures? The pictures were very compelling because if you have someone really documenting what goes on on a job site, pictures tell us that, you know thousand words, right? Those mm -hmm. pictures were invaluable mm -hmm. in building kind of a, a you know, scenario of what really happened. Um, and I can say we're still in the middle of this, but what we've produced, I predict will prevail and um, it's very good. And I, we're really proud of it. We, we, we put this together in a very short amount of time. And I think everyone, you know, like the what's in it for me, mm -hmm. then we went back and showed the field guys. Said, look what we were able to do. Right. Blew their mind. Yeah. Like, really? Like, yeah, because we were quizzing you. Well, what happened on that? They don't know what happened no. last week, <laughs> let alone six months ago. Perfect. So it was really compelling for the field guys because they kind of got into it. They're like, oh, my God, yeah, we did do that. So when they saw the positive results, then they're more inclined to give us that kind of detail mm -hmm. to make sure that we're well documented. You know, with, the, with insights is really, you know, and the support and the whole team it is not like I didn't know insights. I know reporting. Insights a little bit different. Sure. Understood the concept, um, but it it took a little bit, and and the power of what insights can do. And since then, we we've, we've run with it, and we built some pretty pretty incredible reports that mm -hmm. give us the data in the form we want to see it in. The data we want to. See. And, and one one thing I want to stress there is that what Mike said is exactly right. Most people know especially on, let's just say on the back office side, right? They, they've had some exposure to spreadsheets or other types of data resistance, right? You don't have to be a programmer to use the tool, right? Mm -hmm. So I started out early on because I was helping guide the initiative, right? And so I'm messing around with it and I come from more of a developer background, but hadn't done that in a 
few decades. Right. And so I can figure it out. I need to dig in a little more. This guy comes along. Of course, he's even more fresh with the tools and what can I do uh-huh. here? And, and people will say to me, well, Terry, we're going to have to hire somebody to do X, Y, Z. No, you're not. You can find somebody in the organization that's just really good at and, and is curious if they're curious. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to spend a little time, go through some videos and some training and try to figure out how to get the stuff out. Once you have it, you have it. And then if you start automating, I mean, we will show other contractors automated reports and they'll go, how did you do that? Right? So it's like a little secret sauce. (laughs) But you don't have to be a programmer. You don't have to be a developer. You don't have to be any of that. But you have to have a desire to figure out what works, what doesn't, and to explore a little bit. And I've seen... Um, people that come from accounting learn the tools and they're really excited. I've seen project managers mm-hmm. work with it, but we happen to be fortunate. We have someone that has that background so we can do, we press the envelope a lot of times, right? Because we're in there trying things that maybe sure. some folks wouldn't know about. And that's what's really cool about, I think we've been involved in user group type mm-hmm. events where people come together and share their assigner tips. That to me is exciting, right? So. The guy in, you know, Utah is doing something different. And we're like, really? Show us how. Right. The same thing. We'll show what we're doing. So that collaboration starts to build. And that's what's pretty exciting. So you have that flexibility. You can get, you put data in, you got to be able to get the data out. Quick side note. Mm-hmm. So we she implemented it. They have paper forms. They're coming from paper. They're going electronic. Right. You guys set up the word templates and emails. The PDF looks just like the printed form <laughs> that they used before, but now it's all typed. Right. So it's a, so it's that attention to detail that she did and that Assigner allows you to do as well. It just transitions. So if you go look at an old form that was prior to Assigner, it looks almost identical to the printed form that's all typed in, it's filled out from the form, and it comes in a bunch of questions in the form, in the cell phone, they got answer it. It makes it look pretty and looks just like the same before that they did before. So looking at our files, we had stuff printed. You wouldn't see much difference from four years ago to what you see today. That's true. And then, we, of course, we want to make it better, right? So we're constantly looking for ways to mm-hmm. enhance. And the other thing is don't, and I'm big on this, just don't ask questions that don't matter. Because that's a, a huge implementation part with the field. They want to know what matters. And we're able to add color, right? And lots of buttons, check boxes, and make it, keep it simple. It's that old rule about don't make it a convoluted form that takes them 30 minutes right. to fill they out. Fill it out. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to think about who's the end user, what are they really pushing there on buttons and feedback that you're collecting. And so you want to try to make it a good experience so it's quick, right? If it's relevant, and then using text or speech to text is a big deal. Many of our people talk their uh, content in, right? The description of certain mm-hmm. items. So being able to use those tools, it, it, it's pretty exciting. I right? actually saw that live on site when I was Did there you? for one of the, yeah. one of the jobs. Then that's Did, what he was talking about was the ability to just talk. They the talk phone. it in. Yeah. yeah was so was that on the safety side? You no, know, it was, yeah, it was the, before that. Okay. When I was on site at <clears throat> the Lafayette. There was a different oh, that's, one. that's right. So you saw them things. actually doing that. Right. It's pretty cool. So, because who wants to sit there and hand that, right? Yeah. So they Especially just talk on, it. on the side. Yeah, they talk it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So we're nearing the end of our time, but, um, and I appreciate you guys for being here. Maybe to just recap, 
when we look at data and automation and transformation, field operations, et cetera, um, if you were to give like two or three pieces of advice or like words of wisdom to someone in your shoes or like your shoes, what would that, what would that be? And so from my perspective, the more information you capture, the better, right? But make sure it's the right information. That's really big. And spend a little time. Don't just, just because you can create something doesn't mean you're going to use it. Because you do see that factor, especially if someone's new in a piece mm -hmm. of software, they want to create the world. Yeah. So be selective. Don't do more than you can work with initially. Take it one step at a time. Try to get people acclimated on board. Let's, let's solve this one too. Let's figure that out. Make sure it works, right? And then you can, you know, from then on, slowly but surely add other pieces to what you're doing. And then remember, it's what's in it for me and focus that on your end users, as we might call them, or your field people or whoever else is involved in the process. What's in it for them? And are you sharing information? You know, people, you know, the, the field folks will often say, we don't know what those people do in the office, right? It's kind of scary. <laughs> so make sure that you're sharing information and that it's a benefit for not just the the accounting people, because we love data and numbers, right? Sure. Take your time, test, test, test. The worst thing that can happen is you implement something and it doesn't work mm -hmm. necessarily right the first mm -hmm. time. You want to try to, you know, walk through the process and be, think ahead, try to think outside the box and involve lots of people, not just the person in charge. You've got to go out and get buy-in from lots of folks Take that information in, keep it simple, and then you implement. And then make sure that you have lots of check or check boxes or milestones or whatever you want to call it along the way. Don't be satisfied. I always tell people that there's more, right? Think outside the box a little bit. So maybe you do have to evolve. You do have to change your forms. You do have to make it better. Never be content with what you have. Always be looking for ways to improve. Mm -hmm. so those and then something thoughts. I noticed because I was on there, recognize. Is that something you like the awards or the prizes? Absolutely. Right? And and make sure you you do shout shout outs to folks. And this would be true of anything, not just collecting data, right? Sure. Safety, you name it. Use the information that you have now to recognize people. Right. So especially some of that safety data is invaluable. We use that to do all types of awards and recognition. So don't get too narrow-minded in your focus, right? So try to keep a, an open mind and think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Try and get like at least a foreman buy-in. They know that they mess something up. Some forms you could add and other forms you can. Some forms they can go back and make changes. Other forms, no, we don't allow you to. Mm -hmm. I've built up enough relationship with the foremans and other ones. They'll reach out to me and go, I messed up. This is wrong. Can you help me fix it? And I'll help fix it. And you know what? I find that they do it very few times, once every other week. Um, the other thing is, is when you do insights, if I only had this insight when I first started, is try and make your report a little more modular. Meaning, I can select the project or the job, the insight once, and I can let it select all my jobs or one job or three jobs for this date range. Because 
When someone comes to you and says, in five minutes, can you bowl me this data? <laughs> well, I want to thank both Terry and Mike with OE for being here today. And I know our audience is really appreciate and enjoy and, and learn from. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to episode two of The Dirty Boots Show. Tune in next time as we talk with Aaron Klein from Boom and Bucket. If you'd like to stay up on all of the latest updates and new episodes, make sure to follow us on social media.